Ladies and gentlemen, Jerry Petito. Petito Show on Remember Then Radio. Guys, everyone who knows me knows I am the author of I'm Not an Addict, I'm Just an Ass. I'd rather be a smartass than a dumbass. Because guys, 30 years ago, I was a dumbass. But through the grace of God, that's right, 30 years later, I'm now a smartass. You know, um, the word ass is in the Bible close to 80 times. And that means donkey, and that's what I was. So... I just want to let everyone out there know that my book is here to save lives. You can purchase it right through the publisher, Simon & Schuster, Archway Publishing Bookstore. You can go to Amazon, Barnes & Nobles online. The book is looking at addiction differently, that you are not powerless over it, okay? So we have to start looking at it differently. Also, guys, I'm also a nutritional health coach and a recovery coach. All my services to you are free. If anyone out there is in need, please reach out. Everyone out there has to know they can talk to someone. Okay? So we've had a really rough couple of years and some people made it and some haven't, even family members of mine. So I just want to say that I am here to listen. Okay? Everyone needs to know that they have someone they can talk to. Having said that, without further ado... I would like to first introduce my incredible superstar guest co-host, okay? His name is John Monforto, but he's also known as the Philadelphia official Rocky impersonator. And I named him the man of many faces because he does so many incredibly. John Monforto, say hello to everybody. Oh, Rocky's with us. Rocky's with us. How you doing, Rock? Hey, Rocky's always going to be with you. Oh, my gosh. I want to bring... Did you get the gift I sent over for you? I I get all your gifts. Yeah. What did you drink it? Raw eggs I sent. Well, I didn't drink it yet. All right. Hey, you never heard nobody. All right. All right, hey, I'm here. (laughs) How you doing, John? Um, so, you know, uh, we have your better half. Well, you're, 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 well, I I could say better half because you guys are very close friends of mine, Debbie in the chat room today. Um, what she's done for all your shows that I've been at, especially, man, I don't think we could do this without her, right? Well, you got that part right. Every, you know, behind every, well, I even hate to say great man, but behind every man, there is a great woman. Yeah. That's right. Thank the Lord. We love you, Deb. We love you. We love you. 
Um, I want to give you the honors because you introduced me to this incredible guy. So I want to give you the honors. Please introduce our star guest. Well, you know, I don't know if, if he has an official title, but to me, ever since I've known this guy, I have been in awe of him and everything he's done, not just in uh, as a as a career, but as a person, because he uh, he really seems to have it all together. And I I look at him and I say, wow, what a great guy! I love being around him. He always makes me laugh and smile. Ladies and gentlemen, a gentleman that I am proud to say is my good friend. Please give it up for Mr. Ron Kyle. Woo! I'm giving it Thank up for you, him, baby. John, that was very, that was very kind, and you are a very dear friend, and we don't use that word loosely. Um, oh, I appreciate. You know, not only that, but one of the greatest entertainers, uh, all around entertainer. I mean, anybody can sing. I mean, operatic, you singer, impressionist, a comedian. You know, you do it all, and I, I love you as a person, number one, because you are one of the good guys. Hey, thanks, Ronnie. I feel the same way. You know that. Yeah, I know you do. And Jerry, I, I congrats to you, girl. I Thank mean, you. The Lifetime Achievement Award. Thank you. That's, you know, that's that's one of the highest honors on radio, and bravo to you. I mean, you know, I I consult uh, Clear Channel and iHeart Radio for years, so um, I know this is a very dear uh, honor for you and to you, and it's well deserved. Thank you, well sweetheart. Deserved. Yeah. Thank you. Well, um, you know, you are incredible. All right. I just have to say that first and foremost, and I don't use that word lightly either, but your resume is unreal. I mean, you sent me the coolest thing, Philly Man Magazine. They put not just like a little blurb about you. We're talking pages about you. Okay. Pages. All right. I mean, all right. How about this? John. Before we get into like questions and all that cool stuff, um, oh, you know what I want to do first? Let's play a song first and foremost. I want to play John Monforto singing It's Now or Never. Let's do that. And then we're going to have our superstar guest tell us a little bit about himself and his background. So here we go. We'll give you guys a little treat.
of you. I mean, your resume is off the charts. So give us a little background. Well, I'll give you the Reader's Digest version of my bringing okay. up. I, mean, I, 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 uh, I was born and raised in Chester, Pennsylvania in William Penn Projects. So I lived in the projects uh, most of my child life. And I lost my father when I was 10 years old. So dad died when I was 10, leaving four kids. And so you immediately go into survival mode. You know? yeah. So I start literally at 10 years old. I start working at the acting market, pushing carts, you know, mowing lawns, shoveling snow, whatever I had to do to make money. So I, I, I always laugh and say I'm, I was an entrepreneur at 10 years old. But anyhow, that's what I had to do to survive. And then, you know, I ended up getting into business. A lot of people ask how I got into the business of show business. And, you know, there's a lot of business to the show. <laughs> so uh, uh, I ended up uh, going to Temple University and then Goldie Beacon Uni- University and getting my associate's degree. But I was bartending at my uh, Uncle Rick's place, which is a shot in a beer place. And my Uncle Tony, who's my my mother's brother, uh, worked in Vegas for years uh, producing shows and having his own reviews. So he came into the bar with the entire show. Everybody, all the dancers and the singers, and they were having a dress rehearsal. So, you know, all the girls were all dressed up, and they sat at the bar. And he came to me and said, Ron, what are you doing? I need you. And I want to keep this in the family. So uh, I want you to be my protege, come out to Vegas. I said, Uncle Tone, I'd love to do it, but, you know, I'm in school. He said, well, if you get your associate's degree, come on out. And he said, what are you in school for? And I said, well, I'm, I'm in school for accounting and business. He said, accounting? He said, Ron, you want us to be on the desk and work with figures? And he pointed to these gorgeous girls at the bar. <laughs> and he said, these are the only figures you want to work with. <laughs> so, 
this? What are you crazy? So anyhow, I did get my associate degree, and uh, I did go to Vegas, and and I started as a roadie. You know, curtain call, roadie, light man, everything else, and uh, learned that end of the business, and then uh, start producing my own shows in Vegas. And uh, I was there for four years off and on. And then I got drafted in the Army. So I went to Fort Dix, New Jersey. I did my stint in the Army when I came out of the Army. I ended up getting my license in the state of New Jersey as a theatrical agent, which means, you know, I was producing and booking bands and shows. And, you know, the upside was my background in Vegas and Vegas being the show place of the world. You know, um, this made it very easy for me uh, to come back east. So I started producing shows in Atlantic City. I started with rock and roll revival shows with Fats Domino and Chuck Berry at Hall and Oates, uh, various other, uh, you know, Little Anthony Imperials or Shirelles. So I started doing shows in Atlantic City at the Tropicana and then the show. And uh, from that, from that, I ended up becoming uh, involved with radio. Because radio really drives tickets for me. So I would always partner up with radio with any of the shows I ever produced. Well, I became very friendly with the program directors and the music directors. And back then, and John, you'll appreciate this, back then, the only way a singer-songwriter could become a star was through radio. That was oh, it. yeah. That was it. Oh, yeah. There was no, you know, prior to technology, radio was it. So I ended up consulting to all the major record labels, everybody from, you know, Sony to Warner Brothers and everybody in between, Atlantic. Mm-hmm. And they knew my relationships with radio. And the program director of radio, I'm going to give you a little education on this. The program director, not the music director, the program director is the only person in radio that decides what records get played on the air. Guys, I'm hearing a little, wait, I have to interrupt you. I'm sorry. I hear a little right. static in the background. All right. Try, try something a little different. Well, that's not with me. How's that? Is this better? Okay. Go ahead, talk. So, yeah. So, anyhow, so they're the only ones that can make uh, the decision as to what gets played on a radio. And that's the only way you became a star. That was it. Radio. It was amazing. Well, I, you know what? The, not to cut you off, but the, a true story that goes along with that. You probably know this already. When Bobby Vinton was doing his Red Rose for a Blue Lady, what? how did he promote it? You know what he did? By himself. He went out to every radio station, and he gave a red rose to the program director at every radio station along with the record. That's how it got played. And you're 100% right. And you know who told me that story? Because it was very close to Bobby Bitten, Maddie the Humdinger Singer, huh. <laughs> who, who was a promotion man in Philly. But yeah. Yes, and that's a true story, John. And that's good promotion. But that's the way it was done. Yeah. You know, um, listening parties. I started something that nobody ever did and listening parties. And one example was Mariah Carey. Uh, Tommy Mottola was president of Columbia at the time, and he, um, he signed Mariah. And he, he, he called me up to the office. He said, Ryan, I got this new girl. I just signed her. I want you to introduce her to radio. And with that, I started what we call listening parties. So what I did in Philadelphia, the Bellevue Stratford, I get a room holds 50 people, I invite the program directors and the music directors and some press. Now, nobody ever saw her, nobody ever heard her, heard of her. So with that, they all came, 
I had some nice wine, some great hors d'oeuvres, and I had a three-piece band behind her, okay? I went up, introduced Mariah Carey. The, the curtains opened up, and Mariah came out and sang four songs. That's so cool. The first time they ever seen her. <laughs> After the show, I always had two photographers. I would bring up the program directors and the music directors, introduce, and then Mariah would hand them a CD. Okay, so this is my single, and we're going for ads on June 1st. I would love for you guys to play it. And with that, after after that particular event, within a week, I had 8x10 glossies of Mariah with every program director, and I had her sign them, the 8x10 glossies. Wow. And I had my office send them out to the program directors, music directors, with the CD, the single. And that was called a listening party. That got it started. And huge. then, yeah, that, that is huge. And then after after that, and once the, the record got played, and obviously people had to go buy it, and after they purchased it, then I would tell Mariah, Mariah, we have to do certain events for these radio stations as a thank you. Mm-hmm. So then Mariah would come in. And uh, whether it was a, a benefit for children or a Christmas party or something in that, or that's what we do. So they, um, and that, that leads up to a story with John Bon Jovi, because John used to come to my office with the band in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. And, uh, and John would say, Ron, do you, re- do you really think this one's going to make it? I said, John, no clue. I mean, you, we have to wait. Well, he would come every week. And then one week, now I know it's selling in the stores big time selling and all my radio stations are playing it like every hour on the hour so he came up to me and said Ron what do you think I said John this is a home run wow. I think this is, the, this is the record so he said wow and I said John here's the deal don't ever get amnesia on me <laughs> <laughs> when you become a star I don't want you to get amnesia you got amnesia forget about it you know forget about it Johnny. <laughs> so he laughed the guys laughed and uh it went on, and and John ended up, you know, not only being a great entertainer as we all know, but what a heart this man has! What a yeah. gift! I yeah. mean, he started soup kitchens. He he was unreal. And then here's here's a quick story with the amnesia. So with that, I get a call from the senior VP of Clear Channel, who owns a radio station in Allentown, and the WAEB one hundred four point five, Jim Shea. And he said, Ron, we're doing a benefit, uh, you know, for children. Is there anything you can, can you help me out with John Bon Jovi? So I called up John and I said, John, I said, uh, Jim Shea uh, is doing a benefit. And he said, geez, Ron, you know, I just got off the road that the band, the band is, is gone. You know, we, everybody left. And I said, John, I don't need the band. I need you. I'll get your stool, bring your guitar. You, you know, you do, you, 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 you do, give me a half hour. And it was at a beautiful theater in Allentown. Uh, a thousand people. So we had a bunch of people there. So John came. He didn't get amnesia. John ended up coming. And not only did a half hour, he did an hour and a half. Wow. Uh, and when he, Jerry, when he left the stage, he gave me a big hug. And he said, Ron, I'm so happy I did this. And I said, why? He said, Ron, you know what it's like to be in a small theater singing my songs and watching everybody in front of me 
lip sync to my song or sing my song with me. Wow. He said, as a songwriter, you know, that's a thrill. So he said, anytime you need me. So John never did get, get amnesia, you know. Um, that's great. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a great story. He's a good guy. He really has a big heart. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, and he's still doing it. Obviously. So maybe since he doesn't have amnesia, interview Jerry Petito. Woohoo. Well, you never know. That's a strong, that's a strong possibility. <laughs> that's a strong possibility. But, you know, interesting enough, there's really nothing I haven't done in the business. And I say this with humility. No, but you haven't. Uh, you know, uh, being an entertainer in Vegas myself and, and being an entertainer, but then becoming a licensed theatrical agent and a record promoter, uh, promoting records to radio, that's what really gave me my strength. And I really didn't know it at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, the strength we're building up. I mean, there's a book called Hitmen that's out there, and it spells it all out, and I'm in the book. There was five of us in the country that really controlled radio. Now, I'm going to tell you how what I mean by controlled radio. Not only could we get the record played on the air, we could take the record off the air. Ooh. Literally. Wow. And that's how powerful we were. You know, and, you know, that brings up a story with Madonna. You know, being a producer of concerts also, Madonna's first concert in Philadelphia was my concert. Wow. It was a RJK production. And we had the Spectrum, and uh, uh, Ron Weisner and Freddie DeMann managed Madonna. <clears throat> and uh, when they asked me uh, to promote the record for him and, and quarterback it for him, I said yes, under one condition. I said, guys, I really like to have her first concert in Philly. And they said, Ron, we don't even know this girl's going to make it or not. I said, don't worry about it. Just give me a commitment. And they gave me a commitment. So Stephen Starr, and John, you remember Stephen Starr. Yes, yes. Stephen Starr had stars on South Street, which was a, um, a theater that he brought in original acts. And Stephen came to me and he said, you know what, Ron, I, I, would, I would like to do something with you. And I said, listen, I have this girl by the name of Madonna. She's doing well at radio. You know, doing well in sales and retail, and I'm going to bring in a Philly. How about if we go together? You know, you can be my partner on it. You do the production. I'll handle all the marketing and advertising. And he said, you got it. you think you really throws good? I said, I'm telling you, Steve, we won't lose a dime. Trust me. So we went in on it together, and it just happens that he did all the productions. We sold out in three days, obviously. <laughs> So we all we all made a little bit of uh, money on it, and it was it was a good thing. And uh, but here's the Madonna story. So with that, I go to Freddie Demand prior to the show, and uh, and and Ron Weiser, the managers, and I said, "Listen, guys, uh, I have the green room filled with all the program directors and music directors and their children." all around the tri-state area, PST in Trenton, SDW, AEB, uh, you know, WCAU, everybody, their mothers here with their children. When would Madonna like to do the listening uh, autographs and take pictures? And they said, well, let me go ask her. So they came back and he said, Ryan, we got bad news. And I said, what's the bad news? But Madonna don't want to do anything. I said, excuse me. I said, guys, you're putting me on. Now, they knew who I was, obviously. Wow. Okay? I said, are you kidding me? <laughs> and, they, and Ron said, Ron, I'm not kidding you. I said, well, let, let, let me tell you something, Ron. 
You tell Madonna for me that when she gets in her limo tonight to go back to New York, don't turn on the radio because she'll never hear her song. <gasps> I'm going to go back. If you think for one second I'm going to disappoint children of, of the program directors and PDs, the reason why she's here is because of them. Not going to happen. I'll have them call their production people up right now, Ron and Freddie, and I'll have them pull the record. Oh, wow. Said, oh, whoa, whoa, relax, relax. So we went back, and Madonna said she liked to, they like to see you. So I went in, and she said, listen, I'm sorry. I'll do it. Whenever you want me to do it, I'll do it. And of I, course. I gave, I gave her a little talk. I said, Madonna, listen, you're just starting out. I said, I'm going to tell you right now. Those people are the reason why you're here tonight, okay? And you never want to disappoint a child, ever. Right. Right. And she apologized, and she did. She came out. I said, look, I'll make it quick. I'll make it easy. She apologized, came out. We took pictures. We did everything, autographs and everything else, and she did her show, and that was it. But sometimes everybody needs a little bit of a, a slap. Well, you know what? You know what <laughs> wow. I attribute that? First of all, Ryan, doing that, that's uh, – I don't want to say that's cool, but it was a necessary thing that needed to be done to put somebody back on track, quite frankly. Yeah, and you – one of the things I love about you that you are so down to earth with all the huge people that you rub elbows with and, and your whole life, you're so down to earth, that's hard to do unless yeah. it's just inherent in your nature. Well, that's the key, John. And, and what you just said, I, I can tell you this, I was never in awe of anybody. Hold that note. Hold that note. John just said something about rubbing elbows and you just said you were never in awe of anyone. Listen, I will slap you. Who'd you rub elbows with, baby? Who did you actually really rub elbows with sitting next to him? Up, you just opened up a huge can here, darling. That's Get right. Ready. Come on. Well, I, well I, I rubbed elbows with a lot of people, but you, in, in your case, it was Elvis. That's right. You know, uh, he was he was working at Tropicana when, I mean, uh, he was at the Tropicana when I was, but he was working in Vegas when I was working in Vegas. And, uh, and he was a sweetheart. I mean, I, Jerry, I, you know, Elvis Presley, and I know you're a major fan, if not the number one fan, but you know, Elvis Presley, the Beatles, Michael Jackson, yep, and Marilyn Monroe fall into one category that nobody else falls into. But I agree with you. No, 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 I totally, yes. Not even the Who, not, not, you know, Rolling Stones. I don't care who it is out there. Nobody. I agree with you. Category. Yeah, the category category is who knows Ronnie Kyle. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But no, the truth of the matter is, John, you're absolutely right. And I was never in awe. Maybe I'm sure it was my background growing up, you know, poor, growing up in the projects. Yeah. I, I know it I know it, it it obviously was was my background but I'm just a regular guy and I want to be treated like everybody else wants to be treated. Well, you know. You know what, Ron, and you know I, something John they yeah. they appreciate that. Yeah, they do. They do, but yeah. every once in a while like I got to say this is a real quick funny story. I was doing I was co-producing a show for a large uh, corporate client in Washington DC. Mm-hmm. So now we're off one night and we're in the hotel. I get in the elevator. And who's in the elevator is Vivica Fox by herself. <laughs> now, I step on the elevator, and I look. I, she says hello, and I look at her, and I went, and i got to tell you, I was shaking. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 
I was stammering, Ronnie, and that doesn't happen to me. So no, I not at all. Why it happened? And I looked at her and I went, "You're like you're you're you're," and she says, "Vivica Fox." I said, "Yes, you are." <laughs> I felt like such an idiot. Yes, you are. That's oh, great. My gosh. I got, I got it. I got, you know, clubbed with the, uh, with that hammer that made me stupid because I saw somebody famous. That's now, great. Uh, it, it is, it is, it is great. But I, and I tell my friends, if you see someone, just as long as they're not eating dinner or lunch, please go up to them and, and, and tell them how much you, you appreciate their talent. I would because, go up to them if they were eating. Listen, I, I'm an Italian. I feed people. Come on. <laughs> no, I would, you know, you know what? It's interesting you said that, because... <laughs> I was doing a show in a uh, in Philadelphia. I was on the third floor, uh, third floor of this venue, doing a performance. I come down to leave at this on the second floor. It is a restaurant, and there's a big long table. And who's at one end of the table? Daryl Hall. Oh wow! And yeah. I walked right up to him and I said, "Daryl, I said, God bless you. Thank you so much. I love your music." And I took off and he said, "Thank you, my man." That's and right. It made me feel good that he appreciated my comments, you know. So, didn't you work with them as well? Oh, I did. I had Daryl. You know, Daryl and John, they—they uh, uh, um, were managed by Tommy Matola. Oh, were they? Yeah, yeah. And Tommy really put them together. I mean, they both went to Temple University, mm-hmm. and they were both single artists. And it was Tommy who put them together. And uh, they're Philadelphia guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Pottstown, I think, is the right outside of Philly that the dial's from. But no, they're great, great guys to work with. I worked every one of their records. Uh, they were very good to radio, John mm-hmm. and Jerry. They were. Uh, they loved radio. Radio loved them. That's amazing. And, and they were another uh, act that, uh, Ron, whatever you need. And I had them in concert a number of times. Uh, one was was at the Tropicana Atlantic City. The other one was in Reading, and they were just very cool. I mean, yeah, the backstage was great. They uh, they had any you bring anybody back, they take photos with them. They're just good guys. Really but you good know what, John? Oh, you, you know, a, a lot of people ask Ron. You work with them all, from the Elton Johns of the world. You work mm-hmm. with them all. I mean, who, who do you really? And I I have to say, Hall notes his music. That's cool. You know, it, 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 maybe it's because I'm a Philly guy. Maybe it's yeah. because they have a lot of rhythm and blues in their writing. You know, um, yeah. but I just uh, and their personalities, but their, their music I, I love. I mean, Sarah. You know, I mean, some of the songs just oh. blow you away. But no, John, they're 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 they're, they're terrific. And again, radio friendly, very yeah. very radio friendly. Didn't you have something to do with uh, with a lot of these Philly groups that came in town, like the Tramps and and guys like that? Didn't you have weren't you instrumental in make, putting those guys up at the top? I did. Yeah, and 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 they're still doing it, and they're and they were great guys too. I I literally managed them in the tri-state area. The oh, girls okay. out of Long Island uh, had them under management, and then they shared it with me in the tri-state area. So I had them work uh, working uh, with radio and with all the nightclubs uh, in this in this area, and then I brought them down to um, I brought them down to Florida, but I did something with them, and it started with Pat Benatar. I love the, uh, her. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, she's great. Uh, Philadelphia Philly. So I, I, I ended up with WFIO Radio. I was consulting them. And I went to Bill Giles, who at the time was the general manager of the Philadelphia Phillies. Mm-hmm. Ended up owning it. 
Yeah, but I went to him, and the Phillies weren't doing that great. And I said, you know what, Bill? I said, I can put asses in the seats. He said, how are you going to do that? I said, let me bring in some up-and-coming recording stars, if not recording stars. Let me bring him in prior to the show. And whoever buys a ticket, face value of the ticket, gets to see the show. He said, well, that sounds a good idea. So he comes back to me a day later. He said, you know, I talked to the board of directors. They think it's a great idea. We'll do it. So the first thing I did, it's all, it's all about stepping out of the box. <laughs> and, and I stepped out of the box on this one, and I did my research. I had the girls in my office see who loves baseball. Well, George Thurgood was a baseball fan. Joe mm -hmm. Jett. Joe Jett's a I love her, fan. too. Yeah. She's phenomenal. Pat Benatar's a baseball fan. So I reached out to all three of them, and Pat Benatar was available. So with that, I... She said, I run under one condition. I said, what's that? She said, I want to sit in the dugout for the whole game. That's great. <laughs> okay. I said, I'll clear that through, Bill. But That's great. Anyhow, so how about this for a twist? So Giles calls me up and he said, geez, Ron, we have a problem. I said, what's that? He said, you know, we go on live 735. At 735, we're live. He said, I, you know, you're putting the stage out, you know, uh, between – the second base and the pitcher's mound and you know if you can't get all we, we can't do it here's the deal keep the deposit tell pat thank you very much and i said wait bill stop so i ran into the philly i ran into the office in the philly sat down and i said i said i have an idea let me get a flatbed and a tractor oh I'll put everything on the flatbed oh we'll drive it out we'll have a tractor there as soon as she's done everything's going to be on a flatbed yeah. You know, all the sound, the lights, and all the equipment, I'll just pull it off. He went genius. That's <laughs> that is brilliant though. So we we ended up we ended up doing the show. The show was phenomenal. And then from that we did do Joan Jet and from that we did do the tramps. So I did the disco night there with the tramps. Wow. And uh, so that 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 was I was the very first one to do anything at the at the stadium and um and that's Bill awesome. enough. Yeah. Wait, I have a question. I have a question for you. Okay. What's that? And then, John, you can hit him up with one. So, yeah. you, you've worked with everyone, and you'll talk about it. Michael Jackson, Village People, I mean everyone. Who sure. did you ever not get to work with someone you really wanted to? Mm. Uh, that's, a, that's, that's a good question, but <laughs> with humility, I worked with a, a I know. <laughs> uh... But uh, I never, ah, that's Sinatra. Well, I, I, I know I never worked with Frank uh, Sinatra. I worked with his son, by the way. Oh, well. I, him in a <laughs> I brought, but yeah, I, I would have to say Frank. Yeah. I, okay. I mean, I met him. Uh, I, I was with him. I went to his shows, but I, I was never uh, able to bring him on board uh, to do a concert. And there was so no one else. But there was no one else growing up that you said, I wish I could, like, do something with this person, and it didn't happen. Uh, not really. That's crazy. All right, John, take <laughs> over. Crazy, but, John, take I over. It's crazy, but no. I want to be I, you I, when I grow up, okay? That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah, well, I worked with Sinatra, too, you know. Oh, baby. Yeah, I was an extra on the set of the movie's first deadly sin with him and Angie Dickinson. He didn't know I was in the room, but I knew he was. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, 
tell me about your uh, your connection with the Beatles. I mean, how close were you uh, to these guys? Well, I worked I worked with every one of them actually. Um, uh, interesting enough, you know, when I was affiliated with Michael and Michael Jackson was mm-hmm. a genius in his own right, and uh, Frank DeLeo, his manager, right, uh, called me up and he said, Ron, you know, uh, uh, Quincy, Lionel, and Michael are going to be do, doing something. Um, and we're trying to get as many artists as possible. Can you help us? Which I did. And uh, I said, but Frank, I said, how's Michael going to get all these artists together? You know, everybody's touring. You know, they're doing mm-hmm. their albums. He said, Ron, they're going to do it during the Grammys, which I thought was genius. Yeah. And I said, that is. So uh, we go out. There's Here, here I am uh, in the studio with Quincy, with Paul, um, uh, with Lionel, and with Michael, and there's 38 superstars on the other side of the glass. That's singing, well, that's, we are we are the we world. Are world. Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. So, that you was were there. It's craziness. I, I was, yeah, yeah, I was there. That's and, craziness. Uh, <laughs> and and that, 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 yeah, that, that that was that was exciting. It really was. And Paul's a great guy. You know, all the Beatles uh, are very down to earth. They're very unpretentious, and they, they really are and were. John was funny at times. I mean, John John had a great sense of humor, and he ended up doing um, – He it's a great story. He ended up doing – FIL called me up and said, Ron, what's your chances of getting an artist to come in for a weekend because we're doing, again, uh, for children mm-hmm. uh, benefits? And I said, fine. So Arthur Field, who was the local guy for Capital – and Bruce Wendell, who's a senior VP, ended up getting John Lennon. So we brought John Lennon in. Wow. And uh, and he did the entire weekend. And then Mike Douglas at the time had a, a TV show in Philly before he went out to L.A. Mm-hmm. And he called me up. And he said, geez, Ronnie, I hear you got John Lennon coming. And what's the chance of him staying a couple extra days and co-hosting my show? Oh, man. <laughs> and I said, you know what, Michael? I said, uh, I said you, you know what? If you don't ask the question, the answer is always no. Yes. The question, and John was fine with it, and uh, and John hung in for a few other days, but he was he was a phenomenal guy. Um, they, they all, they, 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 yeah, yeah, they they were all great. I mean, um, how cool is that, though? Yeah, that's like ridiculous. Okay, cool. That's not even the right word for this. <laughs> all right. Oh my gosh! I mean, I hung out with some pretty cool people. I used to hang out with the Four Tops, you know. I, I, you know, did the twist with Chubby Checker, you know. I mean, but but what you have done, this is craziness. Ringo, Ringo, let let me tell you about Ringo. Ringo, we had to do something at MTV, and then afterwards uh, was Jim Kay, who was senior VP of Clear Channel, which is iHeart, and he owned. He owned a couple of radio stations, John, as you know, AEB and KRZ and so forth. And Jim was a cool guy. And I brought Jim with me. And after the show, I said, Ringo, how about how about we go to Patsy's? You'll love it. It's a, a very nice Italian restaurant, very unpretentious. We'll just go there and have dinner. He said, I'd love to do that. We sat. It was Dave Leach, who was head of the label at the time, and, and us three. And uh, Ringo and Jim and myself, we sat for five hours. He told us his entire life story. He said, let me tell you something, guys. I was an orphan. Literally, he said, I was an orphan. He said, and when I saw 
this advertisement of of they needed a drummer, the Beatles. I went down there. I went down there for one reason, because they said whoever comes down and does an audition will get the audition on their vinyl. It'll be a forty-five, so they can have it. He said my only reason for going down was getting, you know, my drumming on a forty-five. That was my only reason. And then they called me back the second time. Then they called me back the third time, and then. They, they gave me the position as 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 uh, the drummer for the Beatles, maybe the fourth Beatle. Isn't that cool? But yeah, but he said no, no. He said they were all family to me, and they still are. He said he said I don't care whether they were divorced, married, dating. Mm-hmm. Everybody mm-hmm. was my family because I was a true orphan. And he said all we did was laugh, and, and we could not believe. And this is Ringo saying it. We could not believe what was happening to us. I want to share what I want to share something with you. Someone posted in the chat room. So Kevin McGowan, first of all, let's give him a shout out. He's an incredible friend of mine, local singer, songwriter. I mean, he actually wrote a song that I asked him to write. Okay. About his younger years. And, and now looking back on his younger years, this guy is incredible. Okay. He's listening in and he said he remembers watching your co-host stint that week with Mike Douglas? Is that? Wow, yeah. Wow. With, with, with John, yeah. Kevin remembers seeing it? Ke- Kevin remembers watching it. The co-host oh, stint that week with Mike Douglas. He said it was sure. awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. John was a great, I mean, John was, they're all great guys, but John was terrific. Wow. Yeah. yeah. But Ringo, Paul, um, Paul, here's a great story. So I'm at the Friars Club with Frank DeLeo, and Frank asked me to come up, who was manager of Michael Jackson. And he said, I got this girl, Kylie Minogue. She has a number one record in England and Australia. Can you come up and educate her on how to break a record in the United States? So I did. So now you have to visualize this now. I'm sitting in a booth with Kylie. Frank is sitting across from us. Kylie has her back up against the wall facing the Friars Club living room. And with this, I see her eyes get big. And she says, oh, my God, there's Paul McCartney. <laughs> so with that, Paul comes in, and he's being seated. He's alone. He's being seated. And she said, oh, I would love to meet him. So Frank said, Ron, do me a favor. You know, why don't you go over and introduce Kylie? So I went over. Paul got up, shook my hand. Hey, Ron, how you doing? It's great. And this is Kylie Minogue, by the way. She has a number one record in England. And in Australia, he said, oh, congratulations, that's exciting. And Paul, can you give her an autograph? Yeah, absolutely. So he gave her an autograph. Good luck to you, Kylie. That's great. So all of a sudden, we go back, and I'm back in my conversation on how to break a record in the United States and America. And with that, I get a tap on my shoulder. Now, picture this. And I look up, because <laughs> my back is to it. And Kylie's eyes got big. It was Paul McCartney said, excuse me, guys, I hate to interrupt, but my two children are here. <laughs> and they saw Kylie. Now remember, Kylie had a number one record in England, yeah. <laughs> and they and they're all excited. Kylie, can you possibly, you know, my wow, an autograph? <laughs> That's wow. beautiful. It's a great story. Well, oh, guys, I just have to interrupt. We've got a little over ten minutes left, about eleven, twelve minutes. Um, we'll continue our talking, but I don't want to forget to do this. Both of you, John. Let's start with you. Give everyone your information. How they get they can get in touch with you. Uh, just uh, 
johnmonforto.com. That's my website. There's all kind of video and photo and uh, tell you where I'm performing and why I'm not performing. <laughs> and uh, any search engine on the, on the Internet, if you go to Google, if you go to Facebook, if you go, you know, wherever it is, you can find information about me and all that happy stuff. John, okay, John Monforto, but the man of many, tell them your title. Yeah, okay, I am a, uh, I am a singer first, and I am a multiple celebrity impersonator. Yep. And I do uh, one-man shows. I'll do, uh, you know, I have a couple acts. I'll do a Blues Brothers when I bring in a partner. I'll do a Rat Pack. I'll do Sinatra. I'll do Elvis. I do all kinds, and then there's one big show where I do all of those characters together. And uh, that's usually at the bigger theaters down in uh, down in Florida right now. So uh, if you have an opportunity, come on out. I'd love to see you. He's amazing. And he's the best of the best. He's Don't the best of the best. Right. Is that my uncle? My uncle's here. Hey, Jerry. Uh, you know, you're doing a nice job. Who's this Mama Luke on the other end of the phone over here? Ooh, he's really a really nice guy, Uncle. Trust me. I know. You know, I wanted to ask you, I know we, we don't have a lot of time, but I wanted to ask you, did you have any type of connection pushing, like, the boys of Philly, like Fabian or Bobby Rydell or Frankie Avalon? No, I was, I'm very dear friends with with uh, with both of them, all of them, actually. Uh, mm-hmm. No, the, the only, I, I did not uh, have anything to do with, with their careers as far as uh, breaking records, mm-hmm. but... They all worked with, we all worked together. Yeah. Uh, uh, I had concerts with Frankie, Bobby Rydell, and Fabian. Yeah. And they're, and they're again, down earth guys. You know, all three of them, they lived within a block of one another. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. A I block know. of one another. There's a lot of superstars came out of South Philadelphia, which yes. was predominantly Italian. Yeah. And they threw a couple of Jewish people in there, but. I got to I got to interview Bobby right now. I love him, love yeah, him. Bobby's a great guy. I mean, they all great guys. But Frank. Ron, but Ron, yeah. real quick, um, because I, I don't want to not get this in. Tell everyone your information. Anything you want to share with them? Well, uh, other than my Facebook, right? You can go on my Facebook. Okay. I have a Facebook. You can do that. No website. It's- none of that. No, I don't have a website. Okay. You want to build one for me? Um, that's funny. No, I didn't know if there because I, I don't want you to not be able to tell them anything important. We've got just a few minutes, guys. All right. Ron, why don't you tell everyone out there anything you'd like to say now in closing? Well, um, you know, you heard my background. There's nothing, nothing's impossible. Nothing's impossible. Um, the only thing you, I was given in life is an opportunity. And that's the only thing you're going to get in life is an opportunity. The, the, the gift is trying to find the right opportunity, mm-hmm. being passionate about it, and running with it. And if that happens for you, you know, someone said to me not too long ago, Ron, you should retire. I said, retire from what? In order to retire, you have to have a job. I never had a job. Mm. <laughs> I love what I did. <laughs> I have a job. Job. What am I going to retire from? Mm. I I love what I do. So, you know, there, there's there, there's anything you put your mind to. What the mind can conceive, the mind can achieve. And it, it, just be passionate about it. That's it. And and have God on your side because mm. that's important. Yes. 
very, very important. He's my best friend. <laughs> Literally. Yes. And I talk to him. I talk to him like I talk to you. Yep, me too. <laughs> you know, so he's my best friend. But that's, that's the only thing I can say. Do not miss the opportunity, okay? Always ask the question because if you don't, the answer is always no. Yeah. Ronnie, you echo the words. You're echoing the words of my father. My father yeah. said to me, as a young man growing up, he said, John, look, I don't care what you do, what you choose to do for a living. He said, but whatever it is you do, you got to love it because you got to get up and do it every day. Absolutely. And you know what? That rings so true. And tie that in with what you were just saying. You know what? You love it. Go for it. That's right. Don't you know? hesitate. Nothing's impossible. Zero. Nothing. God impossible. bless you, buddy. All right, my friends. So and thank you, Jerry. I appreciate it from my heart. Well, so um, I want to thank first of all everybody out there listening. I want to thank Remember Then Radio for this great platform, Angel and Steve, the owners of RTR, because without them we wouldn't have this platform here, keeping all the music alive. I want to thank my incredible friend, my guest co-host, Rocky. I want to thank you. This was a really cool, cool interview. Um, listen, what can I say, Ron? I mean, I don't even know where to begin with you. We have to do more interviews because this time was not enough. Okay. I, the next time I, I see you, okay. Cause we got to hug and got photos together the next time I, and it was at John's show actually with John and Debbie That's right. Exactly. in my town. It was great. Um, but the next time I do run into you, we're going to make this happen, maybe live in studio. I will be rubbing your elbow with my elbow since you rubbed elbows with elbows. <laughs> Love that. Okay. Love that. And Love now I'm going to make you laugh about something my father used to say. My dad was okay. like this, you know, a strong Italian guy from Italy came here at 13 alone on that boat and then worked his butt off at 13 and helped bring the rest of his family back. So we're talking about he only knew work ethics so he didn't want me to do what i loved he bought me a beauty salon and said you have to do that okay so he used to tell me to stop talking in school because i was in trouble every day he never got to see this okay he passed away before this and um he would be cracking up i think he's laughing down from heaven saying she's talking for a living are you kidding me okay but i want to share something um we're gonna close with another song by John Hurt. But before I close with that song, because that song is incredible. First of all, the Elvis version, Hurt, but then when John does it, it's magnificent. But I want to read... Oh, I love that. I want to read one of my poems to everyone, because I think it's appropriate today. Um, With everything we've been talking about, utilizing gifts and talents, because God gave them to us guys. So here we go. We are, all, we are born with talents, we are born with drive, with different gifts to help us thrive. I knew early on I was born to draw and paint, to also write poetry, and to talk without restraint. Our gifts and talents should all be used, God's gift to us not be abused. We can go far in life for sure, using our gifts to go on tour. All our talents should be used to create ourselves and more, then our jobs to share them, to even up the score. You see, in life, what's needed is not just for ourselves. Once our gifts are mastered, take them off the shelves. A living we can make by spreading them around, not just for the money, to spread a peaceful sound. Don't take for granted the gifts you're given. Go out and spread the joy. Our gifts are not to be held back for us to self-destroy. 
Put your efforts forth. Do not hesitate. All your talents, my friend, are never second rate. Never hold them back or you will surely die. Maybe not in body, but your soul will cry. Our gifts were made to share. Our talents made to soar. Go through life enlightened and then you can roar. Be proud of who you are. Be happy you're alive. Once again, my friend, your gifts will help you thrive. By putting efforts forth, not keeping them at bay, your name will live forever, forever and a day. Go through life excited for what you sure can give. To yourself and others is our reason to live. Our grave will be quite lonely, but our legacy lives on. Make sure people smile with the breaking dawn. That's for everyone. I'm so-